season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Florida native, Doolin Dodgers first baseman and left-handed pitcher and 2023 Vanderbilt signee Matt Awesomefort on the podcast. Matt, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm feeling great, you know. Uh, it's a privilege to be on a podcast like this. I've, I've watched I've watched the episodes and I've loved every, I've loved hearing from this podcast. I've had some boys on here, Austin Henry, Trip Landers, shout out you guys. So Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you, man. I'm glad that, you know, we're finally able to get this work. Um, but uh, before we kind of dig into, you know, your baseball career a little bit, I got one question I do like to ask everybody to get on the podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Matt Ossenfort? Uh I'm a, I'm a pretty laid back guy. I like to, I like to invest my time. I like to get to know people uh, as much as I can and just get to know the stories because, uh, I've met so many people through baseball that like that have that have completely different stories than I do. I mean, I've met people from Idaho to Florida, Cali. I've met people from the DR and stuff. So it's pretty cool. There's, I like to get to know people and stuff. Yeah. Well, a couple of those players, I mean, you just mentioned that you had a couple of buddies here on the podcast, Austin Henry, I believe he's another South Dakota guy as well. Yeah. Um, Trip Landers, he's from Arkansas. So I guess, how how do you have relationships with these guys? I mean, especially with Trip, who's down there in Arkansas. So I've I trained with all I used to train at the same facility as Austin up in South Dakota. Uh, shout out HBA Harrisburg Baseball Association, Chris Regis and Cole Zimmerman. They do a great job running that uh, running that organization up there. I've been training with Cole uh, probably since out uh, since I was like ten years old or something. Ten years old, probably around that time, and. Uh, and I've been training with Chris Regis ever since probably 12, 13, when I really started taking uh, pitching seriously. So I've loved those guys. Okay. So I guess when I was looking at your, your perfect game profile, it says that you go to Parkland, Florida, go to that same high school, you know, Anthony Rizzo went to. Uh, but yep. before that, you're from South Dakota in Seahawks yep. Falls or Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Like, see, I messed it up with Austin too. I, I remember. I remember some people. And, some uh, people uh like one of our one of the kids on our team. He says Suix Falls, I'm like y'all. So I but, guess when did when did you make that move from South Dakota to Florida? So I moved in about June of twenty twenty, end of May, June of twenty twenty. Um, we were already we were already gonna move down. Uh, yeah, like I probably moved at like the end of May. We were gonna move in like June, but then when COVID kind of hit, we kind of we asked the guy if like we could move into our facility, move into our place like a month early, so that we could, uh, so I could start training at Cressy and stuff. I've been coming to Cressy for about, I've done, I've been doing, like online remote training for about two. I did online remote training for about two years, uh, and then I moved down, and I've been doing going to Cressy almost every day for about three years now. Okay, so I guess you never got the chance to play South Dakota high school baseball then, right? Because of because of COVID, I take it. No, I didn't, and I wasn't really. Um, no, I did. I didn't. Well, uh, 
there was like an opportunity for me in eighth grade to maybe play, but like the school that I went to, Sioux Falls Christian, it's a smaller school. Shout out all those guys. Shout out all those guys. But um, it was a smaller school in like my eighth grade year. They only had twelve games, including the state championship game. Like, so yeah, that was it. Was a very short season. So I mean, I just felt like it was more valuable for me to train and stuff. So yeah, I remember. I guess I remember Austin saying, "Is it in South Dakota, North Dakota, where?" Um, they don't really play high school baseball. They kind of, you know, play like Legion, Legion ball, I guess. Legion ball. Le- it, 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 they kind of run together. They kind of run together, like the high school ball and Legion ball kind of run together up there. So, okay. So did you get a chance to, you know, play in Legion ball at all? Or were you still like, did you kind of make that move before you got that opportunity to play Legion? ball? So I've been traveling. So at about, so not a lot of people know this about me, but when I was about 10 years old, I moved from Sioux Falls to Fargo, North Dakota for my mom's job. My mom's a uh, general manager. She was the general manager at a TV station called KDLT in Sioux Falls, then got a general manager job at a, a TV station up in Fargo called WDAY. I lived up there for about four years. And then, uh, but I stuck with my travel ball team in Sioux Falls and then I moved back to Sioux Falls when I was about 14 and my mom got a, my mom got a, uh, the GM job at, uh, Kelloland TV. That that's the one she's at now. And I just kind of stuck in travel ball. I didn't like, I didn't think I didn't, I don't know. I just, we just kind of stuck in travel ball. I never really got into the Legion ball stuff. Okay. So I guess this is more of a personal side of things, but what was, what was that difference between the time you spent in North Dakota compared to South Dakota? I mean, obviously those are two States. I really have no, background knowledge on at all uh but what was that difference you know just kind of I guess just living wise North Dakota to South Dakota like or is it kind of similar when it comes to I guess like what it looks like outside or I just take a it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of similar I mean for the most part both places have amazing people and stuff uh I met Cole I met Cole in uh in Fargo actually he was the hitting coach for the Fargo Moorhead Red Hawks when I started working for him and stuff and shout out to the guys at the ball yard that's where he's working at so um but yeah, we've uh, we were living up there. I mean, it was it's it's kind of the same thing. Fargo's a little bit more colder than Sioux Falls. The wet the winters get a little more, a little more snow and stuff. But uh, Sioux, but they're both great places to be. Great people, and I, I like I recommend them. I recommend people gotta at least go to eat both of them before. Uh, okay. Before well, they kind of settle what, down. What state is it that has Mount Rushmore in it? South Dakota. Is that close to where you were at then? Uh, I lived on the east side of both South and North Dakota, and Mount Rushmore is on the west side. Okay, so how far how far across is that? About five hours. Okay, that's not. I mean, not terrible. So besides, you know, horrible. besides besides Mount Rushmore, you know, for me being a person who's never been there, you know, I'm from Indiana out there in the Midwest, never mm-hmm. really been that direction. If I were to go to you know North and South Dakota, what are some other things you know I could be like looking for? You know, as I'm in in those states. Uh, I'll start in North Dakota. North Dakota, NDSU football. You need to go to a game. I, the, the environment there is insane. It's like it, it. I, I would say it competes with some SEC football schools. Um, wow. So yeah, and then uh, hockey. Hockey's a huge thing in Fargo. Um, I think I can't remember what time of year it is. I think I want to say it's around March. There's a huge hockey tournament up there, and there's like. There's teams from Australia, Canada, all over the world just coming to Fargo, North Dakota to play hockey. So, so does North Dakota? So people in North Dakota, let's say, do they do? Are there a lot of people that have you know like a little bit of Canadian accent at all? Oh yeah, you can hear the, you can really hear the Oda accent. 
with a nice little Oda and the Canadian accent, you know. <laughs> I do I'm doing an awful impression of it, but you get the point. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't realize because, I mean, like I said, I'm from the Midwest. I never went, like, when I traveled, like, you know, I went south or, like, to Chicago or something. So I never went, like, up there. I interviewed a guy from Wisconsin, I don't know, probably May, and hadn't talked to him on the phone at all before. Just like this, you know, I mean, I, I'm always yeah. texting people to schedule stuff. So I don't talk to him until, like, we actually get on the podcast. And this guy hops on, and he's, like, like legit, like, it felt like a 100% Canadian accent. And I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've I've had a couple experiences like that with different types of accents, and it's it's cool to like you know hop on a phone call and be like holy like holy shit like that's a that's a badass accent. But no, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, and it it's like I I mean that's what I like about just hearing people different people's stories and stuff. So and then like Sioux Falls, I'll get into the South Dakota side of things. Uh, actually, hunting hunting is huge in both North Dakota and South Dakota. North Dakota, you get some deer uh buffalo those are two big things up there but like down in south dakota there's a huge everybody comes to south dakota for pheasant right at about i think november one season opens up and everything and everybody goes to everybody goes to uh to south dakota for that and it's insane are you uh i'm more of a fisher but my i have a lot of friends that hunt but I do, I try and hunt, I do hunt in the spirit and like in some free time that I do have, but I mean, I'll, a lot of my friends, uh, when I went up there for Thanksgiving, one of my buddies, they took about 14 people and about four dogs, I want to say, and they got 42 pheasants. Yeah. Damn. So what do, you, what do you do with pheasants then? I, I'm, like, you just kind of like, you just, uh, kind of cut them up and like get the meat out and then. Like what they did is they threw them in a deep fryer where they breaded them and put them in a deep fryer for about like 10 minutes, threw some salt on them. And like it tastes, that meat tastes so good. Really? It tastes better. It, is it like ch- chicken meat? I, I take it, it. It tastes like chicken. It's like a little tougher than chicken. It okay. tastes, but they taste similar though. All right. I guess I'll have to try some pheasant meat here at some point, but yeah, it's, oh, but no, it's now nice. you're down there in Florida, been there for what? Three years. Three now? years. Yeah. Yeah. Three so, years guess- going up on four. Okay, so you're playing at Stoneman Douglas, you know, a pretty yep. good high school baseball program. Anthony Rizzo went there. I mean, me being a Cubs fan, I mean, I always, you know, always saw his, you know, foundation that's, you know, doing things there at Stoneman Douglas. Uh, so I guess just take us through your experience so far there. Um, and I guess just the success that you've seen since you've been there for a couple of years. So I, uh, so I didn't really get to play high school ball much. My, uh, my sophomore and junior years just because of arm injuries and stuff. Junior year I didn't play at all because of TJ. Um but I've known Co- I've known Coach Fitz for about four ish years now because of travel ball and stuff. Shout out to him. He's been amazing. I love uh love those guys over there. Uh and I was looking at transferring high schools and I just said hey and I uh, and I asked him hey like y'all got a spot and he said yeah we got a spot for you at first base and then uh it it's been great from there ever since okay so i guess so did you play with them last spring you said you didn't play i didn't get no i didn't play john. last spring okay because of tommy john yeah okay so i guess take us through before i, I do want to dig into stoneman douglas and kind of this outlook on the spring but i guess before we dig into that i guess take us through that tommy john experience what that was like just from you know that day that you found out you needed it um to you know just that whole recovery process um, I'll still probably start a little bit before the day that I got it, the day that I knew I needed to get it. Um, I was training in December, right December of 2020. 
I was training and long tossing. I wasn't, re- I, I wasn't really ready for the, uh, I wasn't really used to the workload because usually right after, right after the, the kind of the Jupiter time ish, I would just kind of shut down because I wouldn't throw a ball. I wouldn't need to throw a ball until travel ball. Cause I wasn't playing cause I wasn't playing high school ball and I wasn't, there was just no, there was just no need to throw at all. So I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't start throwing until after the first of the year. Well, I started, this is my first time throwing year round. Um, kind of got it, really got after it. And I felt something in my elbow and I'm like, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. Rested. Uh, got, got an MRI. They said, Hey, you got a UCL strain. You got a UCL strain. Um, you either need TJ or Dr. Carr. Shout out HSS Florida. Those got everybody's over there has been amazing. Love, loved everything about it. Uh, highly recommend them. We, um, they said, Hey, you either need TJ or you can get a PRP injection. I got the PRP injection. Uh, that was just, I, I felt like I could do the PRP injection and be back to normal, be ready for the summer at least. Um, PRP injection was working great. Literally my first bullpen back from the injection, I felt something in my elbow again. I felt like it wasn't a pop or anything. It felt just felt like every single muscle in my el- in my uh, forearm just went straight to my elbow. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Went, got, went back, got another MRI. Uh, they said that this was a second ligament failure. Uh, so I did need TJ. I got TJ. Uh, I think I, two weeks before I knew I needed TJ, I got it. Uh, that's when I needed, that's when I knew. And I was like, whoa, like I'm going to be out for a long time now and stuff. So it was, um, it was definitely something that definitely kind of rocked my world a little bit. I'm not even going to lie. It kind of rocked my world a little bit. Um, June 8th, the day of the surgery, June 8th of 2021, that was the day of the surgery. Um, went in, got the surgery done. Surgery was, surgery went great. Then came out, um, then came out, was in the sling and everything. And um, then I needed to do, then I needed to do hand therapy because I ended up developing something called ulnar nerve neuroproxia, where my nerve just kind of went numb, just kind of turned off. And I needed to do hand therapy. Um, from there, oh, shout out to Olga. She was, uh, she was my hand therapist at HSS. She was amazing. Did that. I didn't really start. I did that for when from probably August to probably March, I think. Yeah. March was my last, the last time I did hand therapy. Um, August, August of 21 to March of 22, I did hand therapy every day down at HSS Florida. Uh, it was, it was definitely, definitely sucked, but it was something that needed to be done. Did that. I also had uh, ulnar nerve transposition in November fifth of two thousand and twenty-one. Doctor uh, Dr. Carlson, shout out to her. She was amazing with the surgery. She did a great job. And ever since then, I've been pain-free, and my arms felt great. So I mean, obviously, that was a long process. You know, going through the PRP injection, fan, and again going to Tommy John, doing the the hand therapy as well. Um, and a couple other things, but what do you think would be like the biggest mental roadblock throughout this entire process and just how you kind of got over that roadblock? Biggest roadblock was definitely missing out. Like I didn't get to, I mean, right when I got TJ was like when people really started kind of posting 
posting like stuff on YouTube and stuff about how like about games and stuff. And I was just like missing, I'm just missing out on games and stuff. And, you know, just kind of missing being out, being out on the travel scene, kind of meeting up with some of my boys and stuff. I was just kind of just really upset and down about it. But for like anyone, anyone out there that has TJ, I would highly recommend deleting all social media. I mean, it's, it's just the way it's just, it's one of those things that can kind of get to you. And it's something that definitely got to me. There's a point, there's definitely a point where like after like, after a while, I just deleted all social media just because I needed to break just to work, work for myself and just kind of focus on myself more so than anything. Um, yeah, it was, that was one of the, that was probably one of the hardest things was just like missing being out on a field. So, so, you and I couldn't do it and I couldn't do anything either. It was really for the first like three three to four weeks, I couldn't really do much because I'm in a cast. And then I was in a, I was in a, um, what's it called? A brace. So it was just tough. Yeah. So not playing last spring, when did you kind of start, you know, getting back into playing shape? Cause you did, you did do some travel ball stuff this past summer. From oh yeah. Like, so when did you start getting back into playing shape? So I like, I was working into playing shape and uh, it was looking like either, it was looking like either get ready for the end of the high school season or just bang the high school season and get ready for the fall. Um, I mean, not ready for the fall, ready for the summer. And I just said, and I just kind of sat back and was like, Hey, let's get ready for this. Let's get ready for the summer. You know, probably the best thing for me. So I just kind of forfeited my junior year of high school ball and uh, got ready for the summer and, Right out of the, and I had a great, I had a great, I had a great summer, one of my most fun summers I've ever had. And it was, I felt like it was a good way to go out, go out of travel ball. Yeah, I'm sure. And we, like I said, we will dig into that. Like I, I but I do kind of want to get really like, go through these high school questions just a little yeah. bit. Um, so now that you're at Stoneman Douglas, I guess, how did you exactly get connected with that head coach? I know you talked about it a little bit there at the beginning and then what year we're kind of expecting there um, this upcoming spring for your senior season. So I got can I've always been connected with Coach Fitz on the side of travel ball. Uh, he's always co- kind of coached against me with a team called it was Hurricanes baseball. Now it's Canes Florida, but then after they did all that, uh, they became Eagles baseball. And um, he, we've just been talking about me trying to play for their play for his uh, for his travel ball team. But I was also playing. I also had a busy dueling schedule, so it just didn't work out. But um. Then I asked, then I just simply was like, Hey, uh, is there any, is there any way that I can come play at Douglas? And he's like, yeah, you can come play at Douglas. So, and then that was, and then the rest was that, but expectations, expectations for this, uh, for this senior season, uh, have fun, smash them. I'll be back on the mound too. So that, that should be fun. Um, other than that, smashing baseballs, smashing baseballs, throwing hard, uh, just kind of doing my kind of doing what uh, the job that's expected of me. Okay. So now that you're at Stoneman Douglas, uh, you said you took the majority of all your classes online here this fall to kind of get ahead or what exactly have, have you actually been in person at Stoneman Douglas? I have not. So the way that we do, so I, I like the online, uh, I kind of like the online school kind of thing. Kind of let me, you know, kind of gave me that college feel of like when I, I can do class. I can do classes at different times and stuff. Now there are some times where I have to schedule around school because of proctor tests or stuff like that. But um, 
really June, really in June, I kind of started, uh, excuse me, started like doing online school stuff right after my normal high school finished, right after school finished from up north when he moved down. And uh, they, uh, Sioux Falls Christian, they hooked me up with uh, with an online school program called uh, Ignite Christian Academy. They've been great. They've been great with uh, schooling and stuff. So it's been, I've loved, I've loved it. And I've just kind of stuck with it. And ever since then, like, I've been able to work ahead. I've got, I've got some college credits already that transfer that will be able to transfer over to Vanderbilt and stuff. So it should be made. So I'm just, I feel like I'm trying to prepare myself as much as I can of course, for the, uh, for, for Vanderbilt and stuff. Yeah. So head into the spring with Stoneman Douglas, have you, you know, done some training with the team and with, with the coaching staff in general, or have you been doing stuff on your own when it comes to that? Like, have you been a part of, you know, like a fall ball practice or anything like that at Stoneman Douglas? We, uh, yeah, I did, I did do fall ball this, this year. Um, I was able to do fall ball this year and it was good. Just get to know the guys and stuff. So, uh, work with the coaches, get to know the signs and on defenses, all that, all that stuff. That's very important for the game. So getting ready for that. But I also do some, do some stuff on my own. Like I lift on my own and I, uh, and I do be, I do need to do PT on my own since, uh, since I'm still kind of recovering from TJ. So other than, other than that, I've gotten to know all the coaches there and getting all the, know the get to know all the guys. Yeah. Um, so even though you are like a new player on that Stoneman Douglas team, you are, you know, obviously a power five commit going to Vandy, one of the better baseball programs in the country. Are you looked at, have you like worked your way into being a leader at all on the team or are you still, you know, in that, you know, relationship building phase? Like, where do you see yourself at that, like on that spectrum? I feel like I'm definitely, I mean, at the early, there was definitely in that relationship building stage and like, there's no need for me to kind of come in and like try and be a leader right away when, you know, there's guys like Christian, Christian Rodriguez and Jacob Gumberg who are already great, who are great leaders. Um, but we, uh, I feel like I've kind of worked my way into like a little bit of a leadership thing, especially because I'm the senior and stuff. So just trying to help some guy, help some guys uh, give tips, give pointers, try and get everybody involved as much as I can possibly. And just try and make it really make it a team's team thing. Coach Fitz loves and I, and I like it and I like, this motto too of like we're a family we stick together like we're not just a baseball team we've had a couple team bond you know, quote-unquote team bonding things where we're, where we're all hanging out as a team uh, we're playing basketball cookouts and stuff like that so it's really a family over there yeah so I guess seeing the way that Stoneman Douglas has ran you know just in fall ball and I guess as you guys you know turn the calendar year to 2023 and get ready for that spring season like what do you think has led to that success of the Stoneman Douglas um, program because obviously I mean I know there's Rizzo that came out of that school there's a couple other pro ball players that I've you know I did some research and saw that they came out of there as well um so like just seeing that now just like practice wise obviously you haven't seen a game yet when it comes to you know how it's ran but what do you think kind of led to that success of that Stoneman Douglas program I think it starts at the top definitely with coach Fitz I mean he's one of the most caring coaches I've ever played for he care he really cares about you he's really He's really in the fine tune. He really makes sure makes sure you're doing everything. You're doing your job, and you're. He really care. He really he really does care for his players, every single one of them. So, I think it definitely starts at the top. We run and like the practice. The practices are very not. They're not intense. Well, yeah, they are intense, but it's like we're all super focused in. 
we're all making sure we're doing our job and stuff. So I think that's one of the things, I think that's definitely a huge factor with coach Fitz and being one of the co being one of the best coaches I've ever played for and stuff. I've loved, I've loved playing for him and I've played against him and playing against him. It's, I can tell that he is one of the best coaches out there. So, and then I think just from, and then like another thing that helps is the leadership. I mean, Gomberg and Jacob Gomberg and Christian Rodriguez are helping out guys everywhere, making sure that everybody's doing their job. And I think that both them two really go up and up and beyond with making sure that guys are understanding of what's going on so that nobody's left behind at all. Yeah. So I guess with, I guess we're, we're talking about Anthony Rizzo one more time, and then I won't mention his name again. Yeah, but right. with, with him from being alumni of that school, you know, being from Parkland, Florida, where you're at right now, like, does he ever ever come around a part of the baseball program? Or, like, what's his – I guess what's his legacy like when it comes to that Stoneman Douglas program or even just Parkland, Florida in general? I've never experienced – I've never – I haven't gotten a chance to experience something from Rizzo, but I, from what I've heard from other guys, Rizzo will come around – Rizzo comes around every once in a while, kind of dons some, uh, gives us some knowledge and stuff. So it's really, uh, I can't wait to experience it, but I've heard great things about what Rizzo does over there. So help helps every helps everybody out and really really gives us some knowledge. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I was a big Rizzo fan when he was part of the Cubs. I mean, when he got traded, I mean, oh. it's hard to you know root for the Yankees, but you know, I I'm still hoping he does solid. Uh, but no, so you said that you have you know been able to get you know some college credits that are going to transfer to Vanderbilt. Um, so as you're looking forward to the future and being just more prepared than a lot of people going into college, I guess what is like your goals or just what you're planning on doing when you head to Vanderbilt class wise and major wise, and maybe you know like what your career aspirations are after baseball mm-hmm. does come to an end. So, um I definitely want to go into the human science side of things, you know, try and figure out how the body works and stuff. Uh, I've loved this. Uh, I kind of, I like this, the way that Cressy runs things and stuff. Uh, I've been training, like I said, I've been training there for about three years now in person. And I really try and understand what's going on in the program so that I know what's kind of being invested into me and then how I can like, and then I've, I've always, I've loved everything about it. And I, and I kind of want to do the same thing when I give back. Like I want to give back to the community in that sense of like training kids. I've got to co- I've got to coach a little bit. I got to coach my brother's team when I was on T when I was in TJ. But like I think I can take it one step further in training and being maybe even a pitching coach or a trainer at Cressy or a hitting coach. Um, and I've loved and I just try and learn from uh, all those people there. And then I hope it, I hope my knowledge can expand when I get to Vanderbilt with. Uh, with the human science side of things, figuring out how the body works. Yeah. So I guess what was that transition like, you know, uh, being a player to, you know, becoming a coach there for a little bit, uh, coaching your little brother? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's a cool experience to get to get into coach your little brother. But I mean, what was that transition, you know, just a little bit from going from player to, you know, coaching maybe those younger kids? It definitely gives you a different view on the game of baseball itself. Like you don't like when you're in the game of baseball, you're focused on what you're doing and what's going on and stuff. And just and it's you. You're just kind of focusing on more just you in the game. But like when you're coaching, you got to kind of focus on. You got to like take into a bunch of factors. What's this guy gonna do? What count are we in? All that, all that stuff. So it's like, and sometimes you just and like even sometimes I think one of the things that I took from it is that you just need sometimes you just need to sit back and let things happen. You don't need to like put a bump play on and everything or something like that. You just need to like kind of sit back, let things happen, let the kids play and see what happens. So 
I think that was one of the biggest things is just kind of like, and then I kind of just took that, took that uh, lesson over, not only in baseball, but just in life in general. Sometimes you just need to kind of like, you don't need to be involved in everything. Just kind of sit back and sit back and let things happen. See what happens. Yeah. So you said that you do have, you know, a goal of potentially becoming a pitching coach there at some point. So I guess what influence has some of the pitching coaches you have had in the past? Um, I know you mentioned your coach, Coach Cressy is what you said his name was. Uh, Coach Eric Cressy, he's the he's the strength and conditioning. He's the head strength and conditioning coordinator at Cressy Sports Performance. But Coach okay. Matt Hinckley, uh, he's done a great job over at Cressy, just helping me out with some mechanic some mechanics things. Right now, we're working on a cutter. Uh, I think it's going to be a great uh great addition to the uh to the repertoire that I already have, and um, is really just helping me out. And first thing is just getting getting me back on the mound, and then we'll get a. Uh, and then we'll get uh get things kind of rolling from there. But I think I've loved I've loved learning from him. And I mean, one of the things that he's kind of told me is the same thing. Like I kind of did press the panic button a little bit when I was like throwing, and I'm like, hey, like I feel like I could be throwing harder when really he's like, dude, you need to take a step back. You've only been throwing for like six months, and you're already almost to your two miles an hour for away from what your normal villa was that's actually ahead of pace and i'm like yeah wow he, so he's really helped me out with that and stuff but also like helping me out with like what quadrants what quadrants i should be kind of focusing on for what pitches how i can maybe attack hitters and stuff and then uh when i was with coach chris regis up in south dakota we were kind of, I mean, we we're in an indoor facility. So all we, all we were working on was really just making a bunch of mechanical work and stuff and uh, doing research, doing as much research as we could because we're only, we're up north and we're kind of confined to the space that we already have. So, um, I mean, from one of those things, it's just figuring out how to make, how to make the body move more efficiently. Uh, what ways, what ways can I tense, what parts should I tense up? What parts should I just relax on? And stuff and just kind of stuff like that. We did, I think, down here we've done a lot more long toss work and stuff. Up north, though, is a lot more plyo balls, weighted ball work, and pull downs and stuff. So, I think I've I've definitely learned from both from both sides of things. So you talk about adding that cutter to your pitching repertoire. What does that overall pitching repertoire look like right now? And I guess what is that process of you know like adding that cutter to your repertoire? Because I know some pitchers have different ways of going about it when they're adding new pitches. So so I already do. I so I already have straight normal. I'm, right now, right now my repertoire is fastball, curveball, changeup, cutter. Um, from a righty standpoint, at least I have something that's hard that's straight. Hard, uh, something that's kind of like more vertical as my, in my curveball and then something that's kind of more arm side down in a way that's soft but we didn't really have anything that was hard in unless the only thing that was really that was hard in was like a heater that's really kind of down and in or like in on the inner half of the zone but that's again that's more straight and has some like break to it and stuff so we're like all right how can we kind of go something that's kind of hard in so we kind of played around with throwing a throwing a slider or like a hard, a really hard slider that, uh, that didn't really work out. That didn't really work out. So then we kind of moved to like the cutter. And so that, that's something from like something that's hard in or like something that's hard away for a lefty that I can like throw like right out, right on the outer half of the plate and see if I can get him to chase on that. So, I mean, it's been, I feel like it's a great pitch that I've, uh, 
I'm still developing it to this day, but still, I feel like it's a great, uh, great pitch to the, add to my repertoire. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. So, I mean, you are listed as, you know, a first baseman and a left-handed pitcher. So what is that plan as, you know, you move in forward to your career, your senior year, head to Vandy or potentially go play, uh, potentially go play pro ball. Like what is that plan when it comes to like which side of the game you're going to be a part of? I'm going to, I'm going to two way for as long as I can. You know, I feel like, I feel like I've worked very hard for both and I've been able to manage, manage everything pretty well, understand when I need to take a rest. I mean, especially with the two way, I've heard guys burn out pretty quickly on one, one end of the spectrum because they're working just super hard at it. And sometimes it turns into too much, but I've heard, and from like guys that I've heard that do two way, it's like the biggest thing is, is like, listen to your body and understand when you need to push when you need to like kind of lay off and when, when, you know, you can just kind of coast and uh, continue to do what you're doing already. So that's, that's probably been the biggest piece of advice that I've taken, but my plan is to definitely stay, uh, stay two way for as long as I can. So digging into that hitting side of thing a little bit, hitting side of things a little bit, uh, just kind of take us through what that, you know, that hitting approach is or kind of what, what goes through your mind, you know, as you're walking up to that, that batter's box. So walking up to the batter's box, like, I have this meant like I kind of like I don't mean this in any way or like I don't mean this in any way of intimidation but like I'm walking up there and I'm like all right I'm a lion looking at my prey like I'm gonna I'm attacking right away and like my my biggest thing is is like be ready pitch number one because 90% like there's a, a good amount of time especially in like that first inning where I might get a, a cookie oo heater where it's like I just I need to hammer this and stuff so that's kind of my biggest thing is like be ready, a be ready, be ready from pitch one when as soon as you step in the box and just like a, be in an all out attack. But like for me, my biggest thing is like I look for spin, I look for spin, but I make sure I'm like like what Jazz said, kind of on that MLB uh on that MLB network uh show a little bit. He said he looks for spin, but make sure he's timed up for a fastball. That's the, that's probably the best way that I could say I look for when I'm in the when I'm in the box. Um, other than that. Clear head, uh, looking for something out front. Like I said, my travel teammates kind of got sick of it, but I, I said a lot. Parties out front, you got to be there. So, you know, uh, so that's where that's what my kind of my thought process is. Be it, it's better to be early than late. It's better to be way early, way better to be early than late. Make sure I'm seeing the ball, and that's kind of the biggest thing. Just be on, making sure I'm at least early. early at least being early than late or something like being better early than late. So, and just making sure I'm seeing the ball all the way. So, so are, making, go ahead. So I'm just making sure I'm seeing it all the way through contact. Okay. So are you a big two strike approach guy or for the most part, you kind of keep it the same no matter what the count is. Two strike. I love the, like we uh, coach Max, when I was kind of coming back from rehab and stuff and I was rehab hitting and stuff, we do live at bats in the cages and stuff. And he's like, Hey, um, you know, might not be a bad idea to get to have a two strike approach because you're going to be facing guys that are throwing really hard. Like some of the Canes national guys are throwing upper nines and stuff with 30, with 30 sliders, disgusting changeups and stuff like that. So you got to kind of be able to file that stuff off. It's like, might not be a bad idea to hop in a two strike approach. So I just kind of go out to like where, where my normal post right is or not like where, where my normal launch is. And I just kind of have my hands just kind of relax and stuff. And I'm just, Two strike approach, definitely more of like just playing pepper and stuff, just trying to get on because it, it does me a lot better if I'm on base than if I'm walking back to the dugout. So it does my team a lot better too. 
of course. So I guess flipping that around a little bit to the pitching side of things. So we already dug into the pitching repertoire a little bit. Um, but no, with you coming off of Tommy John, uh, what type of emphasis do you put on arm care? Because obviously, I mean, right now we're in the offseason in December where, I mean, a lot of pitchers are like are deloading, but also you're in that process of, you know, gaining back your strength from Tommy John. Uh, so like what type of emphasis do you put on arm care? There's a huge emphasis on arm care. I mean, we uh... – yeah, like that for the for for anyone that's about to get TJ or or is, is about to about to have or is have had it already, they already know it's gonna be the first month is straight arm care, working on your shoulder, shoulder strengthening and stuff. So, um, but like I think I think it's something that people should try and work on, and it's something that I definitely didn't work on before uh, before TJ, but definitely something that I have a huge emphasis on now working on doing like art doing I love doing dead hangs and stuff working on my grip strength and stuff also huge I love I love doing shoulder care and stuff just making sure uh making sure my cuff's ready for when I do start pitching and stuff so I mean one of my love doing J band I'll do J band work on my own sometimes for like five ten minutes after my workout and stuff even after I threw just so that I know my cuff's ready and stuff, but also making sure that I'm not burning out my cuff. Cause if I do burn out my cuff, then there's no, then the, the, uh, then the arm care is just pointless at that time. Cause at that point, cause then you're just kind of burning it out and not, there's no real benefit to it. Yeah. So looking at your time on the mound, looking at your time when you're in the batter's box, um, this can be when you're in the dugout interacting with teammates as well. Uh, if you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report on yourself? I mean, definitely the first thing is, is like my size. I'm definitely a bigger kid. I'm 6'3". For those who haven't seen me play, I'm 6'3", 200, 220 pounds. Uh, so I'm definitely on the bigger side of things. But um, hitting hitting side of things, I'm, I have a lot of pop. and st- I have a lot of pop, and I feel like my bat-to-ball skills are pretty good. Um, and then from the pitching side of things, I love to be super aggressive. I'll be busting people. I love busting people in on – Oh, on oh oh, or I love. I a lot of people are scared to throw in. I love throwing in it to establish the inside half of the play because I feel like then it can open. It really opens things up for for your off speed to work and stuff. So plus it changes changes eye level and stuff. So I love being aggressive, being aggr- on the mound, super aggressive. And I think one of the things overall as a player, I'm super talking. I talk a lot. I mean, I. uh I got, I'm always talking to my outfielders, even when I'm at first base, talking to my infielders, talking to my catcher. One of the biggest things that I've like, one of the biggest things I learned this probably when I was like 10 years old, cause I was the biggest one on the team. My coach kind of pointed at me. He's like, you need to talk because you're the biggest one on the team. And uh, I'm just talking, like, I'm always telling my catcher where the ball is, even when he blocks it and he can clearly see it's in front of him. I yell front or like under or like behind first base, third base, wherever. So I mean, I, biggest thing is just talking, and then uh, talking my size, and then just my aggression. Okay, so obviously you're talking to your teammates, you know, helping them out a little bit. Are you a chirper as well? Are you chirping at that other team when you know when you're in the dugout, or maybe when you're on first base and a runner gets on, like you know, you saying something to them? Or for the most part, do you kind of keep it to you know that internal dialogue? I mean, if it's one of my boys coming down the first base, I'll say something to him, and I'll crack a conversation or something, crack a joke. But like. I don't know. I'm not a huge chirper. I I don't like, I just kind of like focusing on the game more. So if guys want to chirp at me, go ahead. But I, uh, I'm just trying to stay focused on the game. I don't like to chirp a lot. So okay. I kind of like, just kind of let my playing do the talk. 
All right. Well, we'll love that attitude. You know, always, you know, be in the batter's box. I mean, let's say you hit a ball 400 foot. I mean, that's, you know, that's more of a chirp than anything else, but yeah. or strike a guy strike uh, three guys out in a row. I mean, that's a pretty big chirp there. Uh, but no, so you kind of dug into your strengths there a little bit in that scouting report. So I guess maybe what are some things that you're wanting to work on before he- heading to Vanderbilt's campus um, when it comes to, you know, pitching or hitting? Uh, from the pitching side of things, just gaining a little bit more velo and stuff. I feel like if I can sit low 90s, low 90s before I do uh, sit before I do step on Vanderbilt's campus, I feel like I can really help them out. Uh my freshman year and stuff, get some innings in on the mound and stuff. And then one of the things that I've been working on and I'm t- continue to work on is my speed. Uh, I got my 60 all the way down to like a seven flat and stuff. So I'm kind of working to try to get down to like a six, I think a six, nine, a lower than a six, nine is possible. Maybe even a six, eight and somewhere in that range a little bit, just so I can maybe, maybe be a little bit of a threat on the base paths a little bit, you know, take an extra base when the ball's in the dirt and stuff. So just trying to be a little quicker, lighter on my, uh, not light, yeah, lighter on my feet and just kind of gain some a little bit of velo and command from uh for pitching. Okay. So talking about some things you're wanting to work on before heading to Vanderbilt's campus, let's dig into the recruiting process. What landed you there at Vanderbilt? So I guess just take us through that whole recruiting process, you know, kind of when Division One started, you know, like reaching out to you um all the way up to kind of that commitment. So I uh I went to I went to a, I went kind of went to this hitter, uh, hitters. It's a travel ball organization out of Wisconsin hitter showcase. Uh, Cause the t- travel team that I was on was, uh was kind of just like, they kind of ended it's because of Legion ball and stuff. So, um, so I went to a hitters camp and the university of Louisville saw me there and stuff. So they, uh, they were probably the first big school that I ever talked to. They, uh, when they threw, they, that was, I got my first offer in eighth grade. Um, I, I just felt like it was a little too early for me to commit and stuff, make a commitment like that. Um, and then I went to the Duelist Dodgers, obviously. I never, uh, they, and then they continued to help me with, uh, with the recruiting side of things. You know, I think also a thing that kind of helped me was that I, that I played up because just because of my size, I was always a bigger kid. I always played up in basketball when I was up in uh, South Dakota. I always played up in baseball be uh just kind of because of my size and stuff and I think that uh that's something that definitely helped me through my recruiting process and stuff but uh I definitely don't I won't push unless if you know that you can play up I wouldn't like I I wouldn't try and force somebody to play up play up a grade or up a age and stuff so and then through the recruiting process just kept playing well kept playing well even when I wasn't playing well being a good teammate and stuff those were kind of the two biggest things that I tried to work on that I just continued to do throughout the entire recruiting process. And then, uh, coach Brown, coach Brown, uh, I got invited to, uh, Vanderbilt camp. And then from there Vanderbilt camp in my freshman year of high school. And then from there, I've just been talking to coach Brown ever since I've loved talking to him and stuff. And more recently I started talking to coach Baxter at, uh, at Vanderbilt also. And we've had some great conversations and that's where I kind of, actually, that's where I kind of got my approach from talking to coach Baxter. Um, one of the things we talked about was being more early than late. And that was, and I was like, you know what? That's actually kind of interesting. It's like, because when you, if you're early, you just need to start a little late, but when you're late, you feel like you're rushed and all this stuff. So I was like, Oh, that's actually pretty, I've never thought of it like that. So that's, and then that's how I kind of got my approach and stuff. But, um, and then the recruiting process, 
I think one of the things that stuck out for Vanderbilt, not only is it just one of the best, the best schools in the country, coaching staff and uh, the institution itself, but uh, coach Brown stuck with me through the entire TJ process. Even when I told him that I needed it, he, uh, a lot of schools just told me, Hey, just let me know when you're about to throw and we'll come watch you throw. Um, he stuck with me through the entire process asking what I was doing for rehab and stuff. And we, we talked ever since I visited campus a couple of times while I was, uh, while I was still rehabbing and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I think that was, that was definitely the difference for Vanderbilt and a lot of other schools. So just kind of sticking with me. And ever since then, I've had nothing but great, great conversations with coach Brown and I've gotten a chance to talk to coach Corbin too. And I've loved talking to all, all three of them. And I'm super excited to be on campus. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so talking to Louisville, uh, you know, as an eighth grader, and I'm sure there's might have, might have been a couple other schools um as an eighth grader as well. But what were some of those conversations like, you know, when you are an eighth grader and you're still, you know, four or five years away from stepping on a college campus? What did some of those conversations look like with those college coaches? Uh, more so like. More so is a lot of a lot about grades and a lot about how I'm how I'm training and how I'm progressing as as a baseball player and as a human and uh, just learning, just, I think it was big, big that they're just trying to get, get a feel kind of some of those schools are just trying to get a feel for me early, early in the recruiting process, just because I'm, I was a younger, but bigger kid. So just seeing how, how well I understood things and stuff like that. So, I mean, and, but one of the more things that kind of occurred more, more often than not was, grades how what do you think you'll be for ACT SAT and stuff like that so so did the majority of the schools that they have like the same way of going about you know those first couple phone calls or conversations with you or were there a couple schools that you know maybe stood out in a way just because of the way they talked to you in the first conversation or their first couple conversations I feel like they were all different in their own unique way I mean talking to Louisville it was a, a lot about family and stuff and uh, just build, just kind of having that family motto, like, like we do at Douglas and stuff. So, and then this, and then it was the kind of the same thing at Vanderbilt too, but I, I like that. I like that Vanderbilt style that like the very disciplined style. I like it. And I feel like, and that's also one of the reasons why I committed there is because it's a, I feel like it's a very, very disciplined program and stuff like that. And I like, and I like it. So. So as you were going through that process before you decided to commit to Vanderbilt, what were some of those, you know, like key things that you were looking for amongst a couple of top schools that you were deciding between? Uh, how much they were investing in their player. Like one of the biggest things that I was looking to, into is how much are they investing in players? And then more recently, how often are they shopping in the, uh, in the uh, transfer portal and stuff? So I didn't want to, I wanted to go somewhere where I knew or knew, or at least felt like I could play my freshman year and Vanderbilt was definitely a spot that I feel like I can play my freshman year just because of the, some of the restrictions of that, that they have on the transfer portal and stuff. So um, that was those were, and then coach Brown, I've, uh, I've talked to a bunch of his player, current players and former players. And they have all said that they, uh, that he's one of the most caring pitching coaches that he is, uh, that they've ever played for. Some of them are from team USA. Like I talked to, um, uh what's his name from ECU? Uh Zach why Zach Agnos. 
Zach Gagnos played for played for Coach Brown on the USA national team, and he was saying he is the one of the most caring pitching coaches that he's ever played for and stuff. And and that's something that really excited me when I uh, when I talked to him about that. And I can't wait for something like that to occur to me when I get there. And then with Baxter, it was the same way, super caring, wanting to make, but at the same time making sure we're doing everything right and stuff. So and then with Coach Corbin, one of the most caring. I've heard he's like almost like another some of the kids second dad almost a dad away from camp a father away from campus so so you said that they kind of had restrictions on the transfer portal is that because of it's so hard to transfer into schools like Vanderbilt or like I mean I know I'm close to Notre Dame so I mean that's kind of where I yeah too is it kind of tough to transfer into schools like that yeah so I had one of my buddies he's at Michigan now he was transferring from Brown University though and he uh and he, he was talking to Coach Brown and stuff, and he was telling me that he sent his transcript over to Coach Brown. And Coach Brown said the like the administration was going to make him do like some ridiculous number of hours for schoolwork just to be eligible to play baseball and stuff. And I'm like, wow, okay. So that definitely kind of opens things up. Of like that kind of tells me like, hey, Vanderbilt can't really shop in the portal too too much. But that's why also like that's why we also commit kids. So yeah. So I guess were there a couple other schools that, you know, finished a close second and third in that recruiting process behind Vandy? Or did you kind of have a like a moment where you're just like, you know what, like Vanderbilt's pretty much head and shoulders above a couple of these other schools? I mean, I definitely felt like when Coach Brown and I like when Coach Brown was calling me at like when the uh when we whenever we were able to start talking to whenever coaches were able to start talking to us, he was one of the first coaches that reached out. And actually asked about like, hey, how's the how's the rehab process going and stuff. And uh, and after kind of after that day, I was like, okay, Vanderbilt's definitely the spot that I want to be. I mean, it just shows how much Coach Brown cares about you. But um, I think that was that was kind of the overall factor of like when I knew that I was going to go to Vanderbilt. Yeah. So I guess I I could I guess I could have looked this up on Instagram. But like, when in that timeline did you commit to Vandy? Uh, I committed to Vanderbilt on August 5th of this year. Okay. All right. So I guess take us through what that difference was. Obviously, last year when you were a junior, that September 1st deadline, you know, before college coaches can kind of directly contact you compared to what it was after that September 1st deadline when it was kind of like a like not a free-for-all, but in a way like there's a lot more freedom when it came to talking to college coaches. Uh, kind of after that deadline hit um, – I think it kind of opened up. It kind of showed me who's really more, who's really involved and who's really, I mean, not who's really involved, but who's kind of really interested and who's like, who's just going to kind of wait and sit back. So, and uh, I felt like definitely coach Brown, coach Brown made me a priority, made me one of his priorities because he was super invested in the, into the TJ process and stuff. So it, uh, it was definitely, I mean, like I said, that that's kind of the huge factor that, uh, that kind of set me, that kind of set Vanderbilt apart plus they uh I mean before it was like I'm sending them videos to coaches and stuff and but like they can't really respond or anything because of those restrictions and stuff but other than other than that like it, that was that was the biggest thing it was like when I when I knew when I knew that they called after that deadline I knew that they were seriously involved that they were super serious Okay. So were you able to make a, uh, make a visit to Vanderbilt before you decided to commit? Or, I mean, I'm sure you've probably been on visits to Vanderbilt now, correct? 
Uh, I did. I did make uh, a couple of visits to Vanderbilt before I committed, just kind of seeing what it's kind of just think getting a feel for Nashville, getting a feel for uh, getting a feel for uh, the campus stuff like that. So when I did, I did tour the campus. I loved it. If if you've ever been, it's like I feel like it's one of the most open campuses possible. Even though it's in downtown Nashville, there's a bunch of nature, bunch of open fields, and the buildings are beautiful and state of the art facilities and stuff like that. I mean, I can't, I can't wait to be on, I can't wait to be on campus. Okay, like I said, I'll be, you know, I'll be there this weekend. So I guess, what are some, what are some cool things on that Vanderbilt campus? You think? Because I mean, I, I do like that's one of my main things I do want to go see. You know, besides you know, going and celebrating my 21st birthday. But uh, what are some cool things on like, you know, the campus side of things that you think, you know, I should check out and just kind of you go, go look at? Definitely look at, looking at uh, the field, Hawk, the Hawk. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the, that's one of the best fields I've ever looked at. I mean, right there, you're just in that, you're in downtown Nashville and you did, but like, you definitely don't, you don't feel like you're in downtown. At least I didn't feel like I was in downtown Nashville when I was on Vanderbilt's campus, like I said, kind of how open, but yet how close everything was. Um, that was kind of the biggest thing that I, that I really liked about Vanderbilt and uh, definitely, definitely seeing if you can go check out the buildings, the buildings are made that looks beautiful. Just walking around campus. You don't feel like you're in downtown Nashville at all, just because of uh, just because of how, like I said, how open everything is just toward just, the entire campus is beautiful. That's one of the things I'd recommend. Like I've every time somebody's like, "Yeah, I went to Vanderbilt." No, I went to Nashville. I'm like, "Did you check out Vanderbilt at all?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Guys, you missed out." Like that's one of them. It it really made from transitioning from Sioux Falls to Florida. One of the things that I did take into consideration for schools is like, does this place make me feel like I'm back in South Dakota? And it definitely made me feel like when I was made me feel like I was back in South Dakota, even though I wasn't remotely close to it at all. Yeah. Well, I'm def- I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like I'm sure I'll be on campus a little bit, you know, walking around, going, checking out that baseball stadium. I mean, I've, I've seen some videos of like what the inside of that locker room looks like. And I mean, I, I guess take us through that first time you saw that, that clubhouse and, you know, all the, the weight room and all that different stuff, like in person, uh, seeing all the cool stuff with, you know, whether that's like Dansby Swanson pictures on the wall or some other Vanderbilt guys as well. Uh, just take us through that first time you kind of got to see that Vanderbilt uh, clubhouse. The first time that I really got to see it, one of the things that kind of stood out to me was this, A, how, how it was kind of, how the locker room is kind of set up. It's kind of set up like a V for the Vanderbilt V. Um, And the other thing was how, how kind of small the weight room was and everybody, everybody's like, Whoa, kind of a smaller weight room. But the one thing that I really liked was that when we were talking to the strength coach about it, he's like, Hey, I was like, Hey, why is the weight room so small? It's like, because we like to work in kind of more smaller groups, make sure the workouts individualized enough to the point where it's like, Hey, you can, it's an individualized enough for you, but it's not like we're making a complete individual workout because because I'm sure that would take way too much time, especially with lifts and stuff. So I, that was one of the things that really that I really liked about Vanderbilt. But then the locker room, the locker room, I feel like it's one of the best, one of the best there, one of the best in the SEC. I love it. Gives me a nice homey feel, and I definitely can uh, can have. Uh, can definitely experience something in there. And then also the, the players, the players lounge, uh, 
that that should be fun. There's a couple of video games and some uh some hoop some uh what's the little hoop arcade thingies yeah, like, the little, like mini yeah yeah the little mini hoop thingies and that's some serious I'm I'm gonna guess I'm gonna get that's some serious ping pong tournaments when I get there. <laughs> so should be interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so what relationships do you have with? Obviously, now you've been committed there for, I guess, signed now, right? Yeah, I'm signed now. Okay, so now that you're signed and have been committed there since August of this year, uh, what type of relationships do you have with some of your future teammates in terms of maybe guys who are there now or guys um, that you've played up against in your class? So one of the guys, like one of the guys that kind of first comes to mind is Jacob Schultz. I've been, I've kind of been playing against him for a while now. Uh, he plays on Texas 12. I've been playing against that organization probably since I was 15. So I've gotten like I've I've gotten to know him decently well and stuff. Talked to him a little bit, and then uh, one of my buddies that I one of my buddies uh, his name's Alex Kranzler. He just flipped his commitment from he did sign, but he flipped his commitment from Missouri to Vanderbilt. He's from New Jersey, uh, and I get, and he comes down here to Cressy to train every. Uh, he's actually down here for the break, but he uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well. So and we. I mean, we go out to eat. We go out to eat all the time when he's down here and stuff. Which are, I think we're gonna try and golf this weekend. So just try and get to like, get to kind of build some relationship with him before we even get on campus. Okay, golf. So I guess what's that weather looking like right now in Florida? Shoot, dude, I, mean, I think dude. it's like twenty five degrees outside of where I'm at. So it's seventy eight and sunny, and I love it. Oh man, I, I can't mean, wait to... up north, up north, South Dakota last week they got eight and a half inches of snow. Oh man, I, I can't wait for graduation. Just move south somewhere, man. Like, I mean, it's hard. It's like, I still try to wake up somewhat early when it's still this cold, but man, it's, it's tough to get out of bed when it's, it's, it's really tough. But I used to sleep with, I used to sleep when I was living up north. I used to sleep with like a thick hoodie on and oh, some like sweatpants man. just so that I'd be able to get out of bed. It's rough. Uh, it but is. No, so, um, you talk about your relationships with uh, Coach Baxter, Coach, uh, Brown, Coach Brown, yeah, Coach Brown, and there's a third coach you mentioned too, I Coach Corbin, Corbin. Okay, so you you mentioned, oh, Coach Corbin's the head coach, but yeah, okay, so you mentioned your relationships. You kind of talked about that with the, the relationships, all three of them, a little bit. But I guess, like, what is your relationship with those three guys, and how has it evolved um, since you've committed? You know, I think, I mean, I've been talking to Coach Brown for the longest. I mean, he was the one that invited me to that camp uh, when I was a freshman, so he's been the coach that I've talked to talked to the most. I've gotten to know him, gotten to know him very well and how his philosophy is and stuff. And, and I've loved, I've loved talking to him. He's a very, I feel every time I talk to him, even though, even before I was a commit, it felt like he was very invested into me as just not only a baseball player, but as a person in, in itself. And then the same way goes for coach Baxter, the same way goes for coach Baxter when, uh, when I finally got, when I got to meet up, when I got to meet with him and start talking to him, um, you know, even like I said, this was that, like the way I got that approach about being early to late, I mean, early on time, I kind of got that from coach Baxter, even before I was committed to, uh, to Vanderbilt. So that was, I feel like they definitely, that they've definitely invested some time into me for, uh, even before I was committed. So I was like, yeah, these guys, these guys are the best coaching staff out there. I definitely do want to play for them. And then coach Corbin, uh, after I committed, I got to talk, I've got to talk to him and I've loved, I've loved every conversation I've had with him. He's a very, uh, 
Very, very likable dude. And I like, I like, and uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him from all of his former and current players. And uh, it's something I definitely, I definitely look forward to playing for all three of those coaches when I get to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm sure. I my first experience kind of seeing Coach Corbin was he was on when he was on MLB Network for the the draft, I believe, in 2021. I think. Yeah, the 21 draft. That was the first. Yeah, that year was there. that was. I think that was the first year MLB Network did that, where they had like a college coach on there and kind of talking to them throughout the draft. And I guess that was the year Rocker and Lighter were both drafted, I believe. Um, so I mean, that was a that was a cool experience to kind of see like what MLB network was doing and like just to see all the insight that coach Corbin had. Um, but no, that was kind of like my, I guess, first experience with him. Um, but no, let's, so let's transition a little bit to the, the last big topic I do want to dig into and that's travel ball. Um, so you, you're done with travel ball now, your travel ball career is over, but you did play for the, you said Doolin is how I say Doolin, it. I played for Doolin's Dodgers. Okay. So uh, let's dig into that a little bit, how you got connected with them. And then were they like the only travel ball team for the most part that you played with or were there some other teams? In there? So I played most, most of my events were played with Doolin's Dodgers coach Tim. I've been playing for him since I was 14. Um, same. And uh, I played up when I played up, I played with coach McGar. Shout out to both of those guys. Some of them again, very caring coaching staff definitely helped me with my recruiting, co- uh, recruiting process and, uh, just kind of getting my, getting my name out there and stuff. But uh, there are some other teams that I played on with, like I played on, I picked up with uh, Rismondo baseball over that COVID, that COVID fall because Doolin's wasn't doing anything. And I, I trained with some of the Rismondo guys over here. So, but going back to Doolin's Dodgers, uh, I highly, I would highly recommend going to play for a coach, uh, for a team like that. Uh, some of the most caring yet, caring yet disciplined coach like caring but like still making sure you're getting your job done making sure you're doing everything right and they even help they help you with they help you through anything if you have any questions they can seriously you can ask any of them uh coach godwin another very another one of the coaches over there that i've loved playing for and uh i hope i got hooked up with them when i was when it was my 14 year year but because i played up would have been like the the 15 year that I really started playing for them. Um, I got hooked up with them just because, like I said, that fall team, that the team that the travel team that I was on before, it's called the Omaha Aces. Shout out to those guys in Omaha. Uh, those guys, that was a great team, but they were, like I said, they were kind of all having to go to Legion Bowl because of all the stuff. So, um, but when I got hooked up with Dolan's Dodgers, it was, I knew from the start it was going to be one of the best experiences that I could ever that I could ever do, and I and I, there was never one doubt that I wanted to leave that. Never wanted to leave that team. Uh, the way that all those coaches care about me, they're very open, very they're but they're also very honest with you about a lot of things. I know, like I know that first time that I said that I played for them. After they're like, hey, you kind of need to, you need, you definitely need to get faster. So that was one of the things that I worked on, and I've continued to work on ever since. So I mean, it's been I've loved, I love playing for them. So I, I, I highly recommend going to play for them. Yeah, I mean, they look like a very successful program. I mean, I've seen their name and heard their name when I go to travel ball events. But as I was like doing some research, I saw some of their alumni they had. I mean, like Ryan Weathers, I believe Mookie Betts was on there too. Yeah, Mookie. Mookie, uh, Ryan Weathers, Austin Riley. Those are the names that come to my head right now. Like Blaze, Blaze Jordan, um, Lane Forsyth, 
Slate Alford, some of the uh, Raleigh Hector. Those are all great, uh, great guys. Yeah, tons, I mean, tons of talent coming out of there. So, like, do any of those guys ever come back and you know give back to some guys that you know you're playing with, like including yourself? Or um, for the most part, have you not really seen any of those like alumni? Uh, I've de- I haven't gotten to see like I've heard stories that like Mookie during that Jupiter event this year he didn't do it, but I've heard before though that Mookie will come like coach for, coach the Jupiter team, which is which I've heard is a sick experience. Um, I know Blaze does a kind of a dual ones camp uh, every uh, every year, so that's kind of that's kind of cool. I was a part. I was. I was got I got to be a part of one of those and uh it's definitely definitely an organization that I plan on giving back to because they gave me so much. Yeah. Uh they gave they invested so much time, effort, time and effort into me that I feel like I definitely need to give back to them. So I'm definitely thankful for an organization like that. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that I mean you would recommend anyone playing for them. Obviously, I mean the names come to mind like the names we just mentioned Forsyth, Riley, Weathers, Betts, those type of guys. Like what do you think has led to that success of, you know, them developing all these different major league players, uh, tons of guys who are playing power five SEC baseball right now. What do you think has led to all of that within their program? I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing is, is like the two biggest things that I took away from playing for coach Tim is, is like be relaxed and have fun, but at the same time, make sure you're given a hundred percent effort the entire time. And I think those are the two things that, I mean, those are the two things that can really get anybody to play at any level of baseball that they really want to play at is if you're constantly giving 100% effort the entire time and having fun with it at the same time, you can really go a really long ways in baseball. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we're able to, I mean, that's expected of us every time that, I mean, personally, I expect that for myself every time I step on the field, but that was also something that was expected of us from the organization on their standpoint is like, we need to make sure you're given a hundred percent effort every time, but at the same time, having fun with it. I think those are the, those are the two things that kind of I took from playing, playing for an organization like that. And I think that's part of the reason why an organization like that has so much success and has put so many guys in the SEC, the ACC, uh, the big 10, uh, not the big 10, the big 12 and uh, an organ and, great conference at great college conferences like that. Yeah. So I guess playing your last travel ball season this past summer, just looking back at your entire travel ball career, like what are some memories that just come to mind, whether that's, you know, messing around in the hotel room, wherever you're traveling, you know, some, maybe something that happened on the field, just what are, you know, a couple of those memories that just come to mind when you think of, you know, just your travel ball experience. I think definitely an experience that I would tell every single kid to go to Connie Mack World series. I didn't know anything about it until we won. Um, we won the Don Mattingly over in uh, over in Dallas, and we won that. And and Coach Tim said, "Hey, we're going to Connie Mack World Series." I had no idea what it was. Did some research on it. It's it's been a tournament that's been going on since the nineteen forties, I want to say. So it's been going on for a long time. And um, one of the kids on our team, Jacob Nelson, he's committed to Central. Uh, Central uh, no, College of Southern Nevada, actually, College of Southern Nevada. He uh, he was like he was from Farmington, where the tournament is hosted. And he's like, dude, you guys are gonna have so much fun. I'm like, all right, this is probably gonna be another tournament. And I roll in there, and I actually ended up staying with his family, and it was the best tournament that I like. 
that and Cooperstown are the two things that I will remember for the rest of for the rest of my life. Those are two tournaments. I mean, at our game, so I was three days late because of the PG National Showcase. But so I came in the first bracket play game. We were playing D bat. Yeah, we were playing D bat. Um, and they uh, then I showed up and I'm like, oh, this would be just another another game. Get after it, right? Then I kind of look out in the stands. We got 3,000 people at a <laughs> travel ball high school game. And when you roll into Farmington, this is a town of maybe under 100, uh, maybe I would say maybe 50,000 people. And it, like the, this tournament, you, they give you host families. Host families are cooking for you. I mean, I really, I love the experience and I would highly recommend if any kid gets the opportunity to go go it, you're gonna have so much fun you will love it and it's and i love and i i loved it and i my dad my, my dad didn't go along with me for that tournament because he had to stay back for my brother's tournament excuse me but he was like so how'd you like and i was like dude send michael to farmington new mexico whenever you can it's a little town in northern new mexico but it is so much fun yeah i we, so I actually had a guy do it. His name was Jet Johnson, Texas A&M commit. Um, he did a, like an Instagram takeover the day of the Connie Mac. And like, I mean, it looked like his host family was living in like a $10 million mansion. Um, he was showing like the parade that was going on. I guess they, what they do, so I, you may, maybe missed it going being part of PG National, but I guess they do some sort of parade that they go downtown Farmington and they, like the yeah. whole town's just going crazy. Yeah, they do a huge parade uh, and then they do like, they do some events like the home run, home run derby. Jason Jones won that this year. Uh, I know one of my guys, uh, Lane Allen. Shout out to him. He's our third baseman going to uh, UT Austin. I think he got. I think he made it pretty deep in that home run tournament. And like, and I know the ball, the ball flies out in New Mexico too. So it's like I know one of my boys for D bat, Easton Carmichael. He actually played with me on the Duels Dodgers uh, when uh, whenever I played up on that twenty two group. And I know he hit a ball that almost went 500 feet. The ball just flies out there. So it's, it was definitely experience. It's, it's an experience that I'd say that Cooperstown are probably the two experiences that I'll remember for a lifetime. So you mentioned that you were kind of late to that Connie Mack world series due to PG national down there at Tropicana field in Tampa Bay. Um, so I guess just kind of take us through what that PG national experience was like, you know, playing up against some of the top prospects across the country. Uh, guys, just kind of take us through that a little bit. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a great run event. I mean, especially getting the experience to get into play in the Tropicana and Tropicana field. Uh, it was like none other, none other. I mean, it's not every day that you get to play in a, in a big league stadium like Tropicana. So it was definitely cool. I mean, I thought it was a great, uh, great event put on by PG. So shout out to them for that. Um, I mean, on the, on the, uh, on the performance side of things, I did, I did pretty good on the, on the testing and stuff, but I didn't do too well on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, on like playing side of things, but just getting to, getting to play against some of the best, some of the best players in the country was, I thought that was a definitely a, a very cool experience and definitely something, uh, something worth doing. I, I definitely like that event. Yeah. So I guess who was the toughest, uh, toughest uh, pitcher? Yeah. Cause you didn't, you didn't get the pitch, I guess. So who was, no, the I didn't. 
Who was the toughest um, pitcher that you got to face? Oof. I mean, I, I know I got to face Connor Crisp and Jake Lanky. I know both those guys pretty well. Um, I don't remember who else I got to face. I don't re- I don't remember too many names uh, of pitchers that I faced, but I do know that Connor Crisp and uh, Jake Lanky were two of the kids that I did get to face. That I know I know them too pretty well. So okay, all right. So man, down to my like last couple questions. Got rapid fire. I mean, I know it's been. I mean, we've been talking for a little bit over an hour now. So go ahead. Let's go ahead. Wrap this up. Uh, rapid fire question number one. Um, so just looking back at you know your time for travel ball, high school ball down there in Florida, Coach Cressy as well, training with him. Um, who would be you know just a couple most influential people within your baseball career, and like what would be the reasonings for for them being most influential? I got a couple, a bunch of names that come off the top of my head. I'll I'll expand on them uh, right after. But Coach Max Rios, uh, one of the most influential guys probably one of the most influential guys out there. Uh, then you got Coach Chris Regas up in South Dakota, Coach Cole Zimmerman also up in South Dakota, uh, Coach Eric Cressy, um, and some of the guys, some, and all the, all the guys over at CSP have been very influential on in my baseball career and stuff. Um, I'll just expand on Coach Max, though. I mean, I've been hitting with him. I've been hitting with him since I was about 14 when I come down, when I come down uh, from South Dakota to Florida to train at Cressy. Uh, I'd hit with him and he's he's definitely opened my eyes to some things on the hitting, not only the hitting side of things, but just kind of like the recruiting side of things, how organizations are run and stuff like that. Um, he was the guy that kind of gave me the two strike approach idea also. Um, but again, but then also he's one of like, I mean, I could, he's, he's also one of the most, one of the most caring coaches that I've ever ran into. I'm really lucky and fortunate enough to, I haven't gotten to play for him, but I have gotten to train with him for almost four years now, and I've I've really loved it. And shout out, shout out to him; he's been I've loved, I loved him. Also, shout out to the guys, but also I mean, not just Max, but also the guys around him too. Coach G, Coach Shane, uh, and Coach Jason over there. They've been they've they that over there. If you can, if you get the chance to hit at Cressy Sports Performance, do it. I highly recommend it. It's one of the best facilities out there and, and it's top, it's top notch stuff. Uh, Coach Chris, I've been with him. I've been talking with him and I trained with him ever since I was like 12 years old. Uh, he's invested so much time into me from staying late, staying late at the facility after to doing extra research with me on some things and stuff like that. I mean, we used to read data. We used to read data sheets and read data research and stuff all day long we would talk about mechanics and stuff all day long and i and i really i really enjoyed and i still do keep in touch with him but i i really did enjoy training with him while i was up in south dakota coach cole zimmerman i've been with him ever since i was 10 years old probably that's probably when i started hitting with him uh up in fargo but he uh he's definitely been one of the most one of the more influential people um taught me to kind of just kind of have my, have my own, have my own feel and stuff and making sure that I can, uh, making sure I hold my own ground for even when people are just trying to push me around and stuff. And then also just helping me, helping me with my swing and be, be the best baseball player I can possibly be. So I've loved those. Those are probably the, some of the guys that I've, uh, that are, I'd say are the most influential in my baseball career. And then coach Tim also, 
loved him, loved playing for him ever since I was 14 years old, and he's been right there with me ever since. So when it comes to off the field, uh, I know you mentioned you're going to play golf here in a little bit, uh, but when it comes to off the baseball field, where are you know, a couple passions you have beyond the game of baseball? Um, golf, definitely. I, I like I like playing golf. I golf right-handed, actually, so it doesn't really mess with my baseball swing at all. But I like I like playing golf. Just kind of gets me out there. I'm playing another sport. I like I'm a I'm a super competitive person. So I used to play basketball. Also, I'll try and play some pickup ball. I got a basketball court that's pretty close to uh to my house. So I'll either play ba- pick up basketball. I'll play golf. Play some video games with some guys, some of the guys up north. Hop on the X hop on the Xbox. Some of those guys. Uh, or I do like to I do like to go fishing over in uh, Naples. Naples, Florida. Shout out to Michael Graziano. I go out, go fishing with him a lot. So, okay, all right. So, I guess when it comes down to you know uh, looking through your phone and all the contacts that you've made within your in baseball career, even off the field, if you had to pick the coolest contact you have in your phone right now, who would that be? Oh, that that would be a tough one. I think I think the coolest contact. Who would that be? Probably. I mean, I'm. I feel like Coach Max is probably the coolest contact that I still have. I mean, he's the way that he's been able to hook me up, put me in different situations and stuff. He's he's given me the opportunity to hit with a lot of pro guys that I feel like not a lot of people get to. I mean, I've gotten to hit with uh, Andrew Kisner with the uh, Cardinals, uh, Carl Ellison. He's AAA with the. He just got traded to the Blue Jays. Brian Pereira. He's a uh, he's a minor league. No, not minor league. indie ball guy. So and I hit get to hit with uh, Kevin Prada sometimes and stuff like that. So I think that's probably one of the coolest contacts that I have. Yeah. So I guess when you're around, uh, when you're just hitting with, you know, Andrew Kisner, uh, you mentioned the guy who's in AAA who got traded to the Blue Jays. Um, I guess when you're around guys like that, like what are some different ways that you're picking their brain, just trying to you know gain as much knowledge as possible and just trying to evolve your game? Uh, I think one of the things that definitely, uh, one of the lessons that both Brian. Brian Pereira and Carl Ellison kind of taught to me was like less is more. So just, uh, I mean, I mean, the analogy that Brian used was uh, hitting is like medicine. Just don't overdose on it. So uh, like for me, there's some rounds that I, uh, that I'll take like three swings and I'll just get out because I feel really good that round. And I don't, there's no reason for me to continue on. And I just keep that keep that feeling in the back of my head. But so those are the and then just picking picking their brain, Andrew Kisner's brain. He's uh he's definitely definitely a dude that I like to I like to talk with him about. Will we he's just kind of like just more just do it uh and just kind of have uh kind of have some definitely a guy that like to have have fun with the game of baseball because it's a very even though it's a very serious and failing game, you need to have some fun with it and stuff. So those are probably the two, bro. That's what I picked from their brain and stuff. Okay. All right. So when it comes to motivations, this can be, you know, on the field, off the field, what is it that, you know, you just motivate you to get up every day, you know, get up, get 1% better, go win the day is what some people like to say. What is it that, you know, just motivates you to get up out of bed every morning? Definitely me being from the North. I mean, I, I have a, I feel like I have a chip on my shoulder that I'm from the North. So I got to feel, I feel like I have to earn a lot of things earn a lot of things especially down here um i feel like that's probably just a thing that i'm from the north i just want to show that i can compete with people from the south like i know like the south is built 
some of the best, some built some of the best baseball, Cali, Texas. I've played from against from kids from Cali, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Florida. And they're all like, where are you from? And I'm like, South Dakota. And they're like, what are you doing down here? Playing <laughs> baseball, playing baseball, the same thing that you're doing. So yeah, that I think that's probably the thing is it's just like I'm from the north and I want I'm want to show that there are people from the north like me and Austin that can compete with guy compete with high level talent down here okay all right so down to the final two questions so let's say you know you continue to get better every day continue to you know just continue to evolve your career what does the perfect picture of your life look like 20 years from now um just everything's going right what does that look like 20 years from now so i'll probably be about 38 39 40 probably i would say definitely be a big leaguer by that time hopefully have hopefully have a little mini me running around you know uh but yeah Definitely having, definitely being a big leaguer, being probably a uh, ten year bit, ten plus big, ten plus years big leaguer. You know, either either shoving or hitting bombs in the bigs and stuff, and then you know, either trying to help some kid, help some kids uh, evolve their game at a young age, like I am right now, or uh, just continue just to keep working and continue to be a big leaguer for as long as I can. That's probably the ideal life right there. Okay. There we go. I mean, for that, for, for the most part, I mean, that's usually the common answer I get when I'm talking to you guys, like, you know, have a couple kids, have a good wife, uh, you know, ha- have multiple years in the big leagues, almost close to retirement. I mean, that's, you know, that's a common answer, but you know, I was, you know, I always like digging into it, but you know, down mm-hmm. to that last question. Uh, I think this one's a pretty fun question uh, to end off the podcast with. I ended off pretty much every ball player I get on, so when you do head to Vandy here this fall, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. You know the new regulations yeah. they came out uh, came out with a couple of years ago. What would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, whatever Oof. it happens to be? What would that be? Definitely, like either some either a bat company like a high-end bat company i swing victus so like either victus or or like or even like a glove company like wilson or rawlings those would definitely be the most those would definitely be a dream nil deals those i feel like those would be dream nil deals does does vandy do they have a do they have a glove company sponsor like you, you wilson have- so i feel like definitely like even just like even like still promoting wilson and stuff doing it like a personal nil deal with wilson i feel like would be sick yeah or or d marini d marini the back company that sponsors vanderbilt too so well i mean i see i keep seeing i keep seeing more and more brands like that because i know indiana we're sponsored by adidas when it comes to like jerseys and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and adidas has done their own individual nil deals with some of our athletes and i've i keep seeing you know companies that have like contracts with universities go on and have actual NIL deals with a couple players on those specific teams. So I'm sure as NIL gets, you know, more popular, I'm sure that'll be uh, more and more common. Uh, but oh, no, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been a big into big, I've always been big into NIL because I'm an aspiring agent and, you know, it's kind of a cool way to kind of break into the industry, but also, you know, like help people I'm actually in classes with and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, man, uh, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to, you know, your spring you. down there at Parkland in Parkland. Uh, when you head to Vandy, you know, go play pro ball as well. Uh, just best of luck. And I do really appreciate you coming on the show. 
Thank you. For, thank for thanks for reaching out and giving me the opportunity. So it's definitely something that I wanted to do. And when you reached out, I was like, let's go. So I'm like, let's go. Awesome. Finally get to break it out there. So. Thank you.